and welcome to The Budget Mouse, a podcast that will help you have an incredible Walt Disney World vacation, even if you're on a shoestring budget. I'm Leah, the blogger behind The Budget Mouse and The Frugal South. I visit Disney World many times each year and have tons of tricks for doing Disney on the cheap. I want you to have the incredible vacation you deserve, so I'm sharing all of my tricks with you on my sites and here in the podcast. This week's show is an insider look at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, so let's dive in. Hello again, and welcome to episode 40. That was a clip of the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge music that was created by John Williams, especially for the land that opened in Disneyland not long ago. So while Disney World fans are anxiously awaiting the opening of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge on August 29th, and until then, we just have to be satisfied with the reports trickling out of Disneyland. So I had the great pleasure of being able to interview someone who went to Disneyland right after Galaxy's Edge opened to give us an insider scoop and kind of answer some of the questions that you might have about Galaxy's Edge and how it's going to work at Disney World. But before we get to that, I get to thank a new patron this week. So big thanks to Allison. Now she is going to get a special gift as is everyone who is a premium patron of this show and site by July 5th. And that is a mini magic band decal that I'm giving away as a thank you gift to anyone who is a patron at the $5 a month level by July 5th. So if you want to learn more about how to become a patron of this show and all of the extra content that you will get when you become a patron, just head over to Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash the budget mouse and get the details there. I had the pleasure this week of speaking with Julie Elster from Double Your WDW, where she shares planning tips and practical advice for your Disney World vacation. So she is a Walt Disney World regular, as am I, but she was lucky enough to visit Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland recently with her family. And I thought her insight would be really helpful and valuable since she is coming at it with a Disney World perspective. So you can find Julie at doubleyourwdw.com and her podcast is of the same name. So I hope you will give that a listen. And here is our chat about Galaxy's Edge. Hi, Julie, and thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about Galaxy's Edge. I'm really excited to hear about it. And I want to ask you something first that I I thought about is I think it's good to know how much of a Star Wars fan you are, Mm -hmm. uh, because I think a lot of people wonder, I'm not a Star Wars Mm -hmm. fan per se. Like, am I Uh going to even care about Galaxy's Edge? So I'll tell you me first that I would not call myself a Star Wars fan. I've seen the original movie. <laughs> I've seen okay. the, I've seen episode one, two, three, and then I've seen maybe part of the newest about okay. episode seven. I don't know. So I'm definitely not a Star Wars fan. I appreciate the Star Wars universe though because I appreciate all great storytelling and mm-hmm. a great uh, rich story environment. So I'm just curious about you. Like, would you call yourself a big Star Wars fan, or what's your status? 
I am a huge Star Wars fan. Nice. And it's it's interesting that you say that because when when I saw Galaxy's Edge in Disneyland, I, we just got back from Disneyland like a little over a week ago, and it was myself, my husband, and I have three kids. And so my youngest is only two, so obviously she does not care about Star Wars. My middle child's eight, and he has zero interest in Star Wars. Like, he does not like it at all. He thinks it's boring. He's just not into it. And my 10-year-old loves Star Wars. So we were kind of all across the board. So I also was like, how is this land going to be with, like, a couple of us love Star Wars? Some of us don't care about Star Wars. Yeah, you have a good sampling. Yes, I got to say we all really, really enjoyed the land because – like one, it's so detailed. So just walking through and seeing just the detail in the land. So there's there's that. And then the ride itself, even if you're not terribly familiar with Star Wars, you're in a flight simulator, like without the 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 40 glasses, which also makes it really cool and interesting. Like my eight-year-old who could not care less about Star Wars was like, this ride is amazing because <laughs> it's really interactive and you're hitting buttons and you're, you're flying the ship. So there's that. And then the characters are just fantastic in the land. I mean, they just, there are everything from like, you know, Chewie the Wookiee, which so the little kid, my my daughter, little kids will love that because he's like based to her, it was like a big walking teddy bear. <laughs> so she liked that. And then my older son loved like Ray came over and started talking to us about, you know, all sorts of stuff. So there was something for everyone. And even my kids who didn't like or really care about Star Wars found it to be incredibly interesting and immersive and fun. So I think even if you're not a Star Wars fan, I I think you'll really, really enjoy the land. It sounds so amazing. I didn't know that Ray would be there. Yeah. And she, it was so cool. So when we were there, um, and I imagine this is still the case at Disneyland, and it will probably also be the case at Disney World, uh, of the two rides in the land, only one is open. Mm-hmm. So the Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run ride is open. The Rise of the Resistance ride is not yet open. So if you head over to where Rise of the Resistance is located, there's nobody there. Like, mm-hmm. it's just dead space with, like, no one there. So we were just walking around looking at it, like, basically by ourselves, and all of a sudden Ray appears, and that turns out is where many of the characters were just kind of hanging out. Wow. was over in that area. So Ray just shows up and starts, like, I wasn't even paying attention. And I look over, and she's, like, squatting down talking to my daughter in the stroller. And then she's, like, giving us a tour (laughs) and, like, showing us. Yeah, it was crazy. She's, like, showing us all this stuff in the land and... And it, it it was really cool and a lot of fun. So, yeah, the characters are the, the stormtroopers came over and all the kids loved that because they hassle you. Wow. And it's the same, like, even now at Hollywood Studios. They come over and they kind of give you a hard time. And it's just so much fun for everybody, wow. whether you're a Star Wars fan or not. So it sounds amazing. I'm already hooked. I'm like, okay, just take my money right now. Yeah, right. Um, could you give us an overview of what, the land encompasses. So characters are around. Tell us, are yeah. there any particular like character meet and greets or did they just roam? And then you said that only one of the two attractions is open. And I know the, the Rise of the Resistance is scheduled to open sometime later this year. We don't right. know when yet. And then can you tell us about the food and the merch and then just overall what to expect there? 
Yeah, so at Disneyland, now I'm going to go over Disneyland, and I imagine that there are going to be a lot of similarities. Yeah, it's from my understanding, they're going to be essentially carbon copies, but with a separate entrance, like different entrances, I guess. Yeah, and I think there might be different food spots at Disney World as well. But So at Disneyland, when you... uh, I will say when you walk in, if food is your priority or if the cantina specifically is your priority, I would head there first because that will book up and they won't let you in because it's it's such a cool space. So if you want to check out the cantina, I would go straight there. And as of right now, I think Disneyland is taking reservations. Like that's mm-hmm. how, even though it's just like a quick service bar area, that's how popular it is. So as far as food goes, there is the cantina where you can get you know, drinks and food. There are several quick service spots and we stopped at like Docking Bay 7 and the food was amazing. And it's a ton of fun too, because it's just, you know, it's regular food, but the way they present the food is really unique and interesting and fun. So obviously they're trying to, you're on you're on the planet Betu. So they're trying to present it as food from that region or from that planet. So, it, you know, I, I had breakfast there one morning and it was eggs, sausage and potatoes, which is, you know, nothing terribly uncommon. But they had the eggs in like this weird mold and they had <laughs> food coloring in the potatoes and just the presentation was really cool and fun. And I had like zero issues getting food there, I will say, um, during my time. So like as far as lines or finding tables, I had no issues whatsoever. Um, so again, like the can- the cantinas where your priorities are, I would go there first as far as food. Nice. So I didn't um, realize that there was a separate quick service location yeah. other than the cantina. So the cantina is like, do they have food, it's- small plates? I believe they have small plates. It's more of a bar yeah, okay. than than like a, a restaurant. So if you're looking to actually get food, uh, I I would stop at like Docking Bay Seven for for food there. Um, yeah, and there's some other just quick service spots and um, a lot of like drink spots, which even that like you you wouldn't think twice about. But the drinks that they serve are very unique. So they have if you just want to get like a soda, you can get a Coke, but they're in these like globe shaped bottles that were made specifically for the land. Oh, I saw a picture of that somewhere on Instagram. And I thought, Oh, this place. I have several. I bought several. Amazing. (laughs) It's just and it's such a fun, like what a cool souvenir, right? Like instead of spending $100 on a droid, (laughs) you can just buy a a Coke that you're going to drink anyway and bring that home. I have one in my office. My husband took one as well. I just have to say like, Having gone to Disney World since I was a kid, this is the stuff that just captured my imagination when I was a kid, like Mm -hmm. that you could go to this place and they would have different kinds of Coke. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like, and the storytelling is so deep and um, just that some people imagined this and made it happen. And that's the magic of Disney. It was for me when I was a kid and it still is as an adult. Um, so I just had to say yeah, that. No, like, I, well, but that's so neat. <laughs> but that's what I was saying, like about the level of detail. Yeah. Like it's so easy to just be like, well, there's detail, but this is really where it like it shines. Like, yes, there's detail yeah. in like the buildings and the shops, but, but even just the small touches. So, you know, like these Coke bottles, like it's such a silly thing, but it's so cool. And it's what makes I, it. in it's a million years would never think it. of it. You know, yes. it's what yeah. makes you believe 
Yep. And then you can also, (laughs) you can get blue milk or green milk, which you might remember from seeing the original movies that, yep. And so you can get the blue milk or the green milk. um, And it's, there's a stand to get that. I will. So it's okay. It's a thing for Instagram. I think like, you know, you're holding your. was gross. Did you try the green? Uh, I did. We we tried both. <laughs> yeah. it, I didn't think the green milk was gross. It was just okay. So yeah. else it's not like my hope when I heard that they were going to have blue milk and green milk was that I was like, oh, it'll be like a milkshake. Yeah. It was it was more like a smoothie and it it's not milk. It's a plant-based milk. So I don't remember what it was like, maybe soy milk or something. And then they have fruit flavors added. So one's blue and one's green. And the blue one I think was a little, was like a, more of a blueberry huh. kind of flavor. It was a little more fruity. And then the other one was, it had a little bit of a fruit. It wasn't as sweet, the green one. I cannot so, wait to go drink some blue milk. I'm really Yeah, I, I was excited to try it. Um, but for what they cost, it was like 7 or $8 per cup. Oh, my. And between, so there are five of us, right? So it's me and my husband and my three kids. Between the five of us, we could not finish the two. Wow. So that I think that tells you what you need to know about the yeah. blue milk and the green milk. I mean, they were – it was fun, and I'm glad that I tried them. And I have my photos of me drinking my blue milk. But Yeah, I'm feeling were, it's going to be okay. a one and done. Yeah, I won't yeah, be they going were, to get it every time. They were time. okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were just okay. So um, as far as food, that's what you can expect. The shops are really cool. Um, there's like a, a marketplace. So like you can walk through and, and find all sorts of souvenirs. But everybody, every single cast member down to like the people in the shops, the people serving you food, the people just like, you know, keeping the parks clean are in character. So they well like nothing is in dollars if you want to buy a souvenir it's all going to be credits it's x number of credits when you buy stuff and like i was wearing a we went two days to the land and one day i was wearing an r2d2 dress and the other day i was wearing a c3po dress and people would like comment and talk to me as if i were the droids and at one point somebody was like i was talking to one of the cast members about the cantina and she's like, you'll be lucky if they let you in. They don't serve your kind droid. So, like, they're very oh, much I in, love in character. Yeah. <laughs> it was just a ton of fun. So they they take it all very, very seriously when you uh, <laughs> when you interact with them. So be prepared for that. Yeah. Because if you're, like, asking, you know, where can I buy, you know, mini ears? They're not, they're going to stay in character and pretend they don't know what you're talking about. So once you are, you know, used to that, it's a little bit easier to, to communicate. Um, the characters, like I said, there's Ray is walking around. You'll see um, Chewie walking around. And in this land, this is the time period that this land is like Han Solo has uh, has passed away. So like you won't see Han or if you see Chewie, give him a hug because he misses Han. So it's all like very true to wow. what's happening in the films. Uh, let's see who else can you see the stormtroopers. I think Kylo Ren is there as well. I didn't get to see him while we were there, but I believe he's there as well. And the character interactions are phenomenal. They really are. Wow. I am very excited. So I know that there's opportunities to build your own lightsaber or droid. Yes. 
right? Both. Or both. Okay. Yes. Okay. So that's again, we're talking. We're going to talk priorities with the land. Yeah. So if Oga's Cantina is a priority, go there first. If building a droid or a lightsaber is your priority, you also need to go there first. So you need wow. to pick one of those two things because I don't think you could do both in in one day. The line for like, and when I went to Disneyland, that land was reservation only. So it was a limited number of people. And the lines still for building a droid or a lightsaber were like wrapped outside the building. Oh my gosh. So if it's something you want to do, make that a top priority. And while we don't know for sure, like how Disney World is going to handle that at Disneyland, I believe they've started taking reservations now that the land is just open to everybody. They've tar- started taking reservations to build a droid because it's so popular and to build a lightsaber. So I would definitely look into that um, before you head over to the land if this is something that's your priority. Amazing. The, uh, it's... the lightsabers are $200 and the oh. droids are $100 <laughs> to build. Yeah, for the faint of heart. (laughs) That's why I offer the Globe Coke bottles as an alternative souvenir. A little more reasonable. Bottle of Coke, yes. Yes. Yeah. So I am am amazed. Do you think you could give like your impressions of the uh, Smuggler's Run attraction without spoilers? Would it be too to do? Yeah, no, I, I I think actually it would probably be hard to give spoilers because each time you go on the ride, it's a different, um, it's a different run. Oh, cool. So yeah, so you're, you know, as it implies, you're helping smuggle something off of the planet, and I can't remember the name of the 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 compound you're smuggling. Like I can't think of what it's called, but. But so everybody in the ship, it's your six people go on one ride, and everybody in the ship is given a role. So you're either the pilot, the engineer, or the gunner. And so you're flying the Millennium Falcon, and you need to get safely to your destination. So they give you all the details um, on your particular run, like when you're in the ship. And basically, you're like the pilot's hitting buttons and pulling levers, and you're flying the ship. Like you have to get to where you're going and they like they'll cue you you have to hit buttons and pull levers when they light up and the gunners are shooting ships who are trying to stop you on your mission and the engineers are fixing the ship as things are (laughs) as you're being shot as you go so you're given a role it's a ton of fun um like i said before you're in this flight simulator but unlike star tours you're not wearing the glasses there are no 40 glasses Mm so just the the um, ride itself, the um, what's the word I'm thinking of the like the engineering of the ride and the it's just it's so amazing. Like I don't know how they did it where it looks so amazing without the glasses. But I'll also say my husband gets terrible motion sickness and did not have an issue on this ride. Hmm. Whereas like Star Tours, he cannot go on. It makes him ill yeah, if well, he goes on it. So I don't have motion, motion sickness, sickness and I get sick on Star Wars. Oh on, really? On, yeah. On the Star Tours, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he gets he gets bad motion yeah. sickness. And this one he was like I had had zero issues. Wonder. So if you're if you're worried about that, um I don't know if it's because there aren't glasses yeah. or or what it is, but Yeah, I know that was people's concern a lot with flight of passage was, well, you know, am I going to feel mm-hmm. sick from riding it? Yeah. Another thing that people I'm sure will want to know is if there's a height requirement or what you think is an appropriate age to ride this. 
So, um, oh, I need to double check what the height requirement is because I don't know off the top of my head. There is a height requirement. I would say, um, like, my son is eight and he was fine. The 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 issue with taking kids on this ride is that there are six people, but you're not sitting directly next to anyone. So it's hmm. um, rows of two, but there's an aisle in between the seats. So like the pilots are in the first two seats, but there's an aisle in between. And then behind them are the gunners, and then behind them are the engineers. So if you have a little one who's maybe like five or six, and they're old enough to go, but they might get scared, you wouldn't be able to like put your arm around them to comfort them. So I think that is definitely important to keep in mind if you're going to be bringing a child on the ride like are they somebody who's going to get nervous about the ride are they going to be scared when it starts shaking and moving because you're not going to be able to get up and comfort them yeah so i was able to look up the height requirement is 38 inches which is quite low but like you're saying in addition to that though you'd want a child to be somewhat independent like yeah they, they would need to be yeah yeah so yeah, that is like, such helpful information. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I was surprised to see that. And like my kids were were old enough where I wasn't concerned. But, you know, even a year ago, my my middle child might have been a little nervous to sit in a seat, you know, away Definitely. from me. Yeah. So keep that in mind. Yeah. So speaking of kids, like I had someone ask in the Facebook group the other day, you know, they had kids who I think were eight and six and they Mm -hmm. said, um, they're not into Star Wars at all. They do not care Mm -hmm. about Star Wars. Like at that age, and this is close to the age of your kids. Like, do you think it'd be worth it to battle the crowds and get, (sighs) get your kids to Star Wars land when they don't know or care about Star Wars or would it be better spent going to Toy Story land at at Hollywood Studios? That's a great question. And I, honestly, I thought the land was amazing. But my one criticism of the land is that there is little to nothing to do if you are a little guy. Yeah. So like my two-year-old was just sitting in the stroller the whole time. Yeah. And other than like when we stopped for food or when we met Chewy, she didn't care. And like she's little enough where she's just along for the ride anyway. But had she been like a year or two older, I could only imagine the amount of complaining that yeah. would have happened. There's very, very little to do for little kids. That's really good to know. Yeah. So if you have like toddlers or even a little bit older than that who just aren't interested in Star Wars, I would maybe wait. Wait until you know they're old enough to hit the ride. Yeah. Because I think the ride everybody will enjoy. Like whether you're into Star Wars, much like like I think of it the same way as I think of Pandora. I am in no way interested in Avatar right. at all. So, but it's like, I just, I don't care. But I think that land is amazing. Agreed. It's yeah. beautiful. The rides are really cool. So I still enjoy it and I appreciate it and I love visiting it. And I think Star Wars is going to be the same way for people who aren't interested. But if you have little kids, I would maybe skip it until yeah. they're old enough to enjoy. I completely at least agree the ride with you. I mean, I yeah. agree. Unless you, as an adult, are an avid Star Wars fan and, like, you right. must see it, then, right. yeah, drag your kids there. But if you don't care and your kids don't care, I would wait. Because it, it. I'd say that it's likely that at some point they're going to be interested in Star Wars, just it's such mm-hmm. a cultural presence. Right, But right. if they're not yet, then, like, don't. Don't go through yeah. all the hassle. Wait until it's pressing, I would say. Right, and wait until the crowds die down, mm-hmm. and it's. I mean, when that's going to happen, we don't know. So let's you know, talk but, crowds. I'm I'm so curious yeah. to see like what you think 
it will be like at Disney World because we're both Disney World people. Right. Um, like how you think this will play out at Disney World. I know it's so hard to spec. I have tried to speculate on another podcast episode and in a blog post trying to figure out how this is going to affect. I mean, just a Disney World vacation in general. Even if yeah. you don't go to Star Wars land, yeah. like how this is going to affect your vacation and what it's going to be like to go there at Disney World, like right after it opens and then like a year later, mm-hmm. what it's going to look like. So It's so hard to say. And I have been watching the, the Disneyland progress so, so closely <laughs> and, you know, watching people who like do what you and I do, but on the Disneyland side and following along with people visiting that land. And I visited the land with my family and... It's, I got to say, it is not, so far the crowds have not been what I expected at all. And I think that is, if you ask anyone who follows Disneyland, they will agree with that. When the land opened on opening day, they were like prepared for chaos. And Disneyland, the way they handled it, in case people aren't familiar who are listening, you had to have a reservation to see the land. So reservations filled up very, very quickly to see the land. And so it was very limited, and they took it seriously, like IDs and wristbands and scanning and in and out. And like they're, I mean, they took it seriously so that people could not sneak into the land. So crowds were very reasonable in this land. But they were like, crowds are going to be chaos. And that just was not the case. It I wasn't. think probably because they did a great job of, of managing it. I, I'm so glad they it's did, opening first at Disneyland. <laughs> I, I have said the same thing. I'm like, I want them to work out all these cakes yes. so that when it opens at Disney World, they can they have a blueprint for yeah. how to handle it. But here, okay, so here's, here's the thing. I want to tell a quick story about my reservations at Star Wars Land. So there were two types of reservations. You could either book a stay at a Disneyland hotel and that guaranteed everybody in your party a reservation. Or you could do a free reservation and those filled up within 30 minutes, like of opening the reservations online. So I was online in a queue for free reservations and I managed to get in, but I was so like hyped up. So I'm clicking, 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 and I pick my date and I pick my time and I'm like, oh my God, yes, I got it. And it was like you and up to five people. And so I did that. But then I realized after I got my email confirmation, I never actually added my family to my reservation. So it was just me. So I like freaked out. So we ended up making a reservation at Disneyland Hotel to ensure that I had a reservation for my entire family. But a few days before my trip, I get an email from Disneyland saying, hey, I see it's just you. You know, if you want, you can add more people to your reservation. And so what does that tell you? That tells you they had spots open. Hmm. And up until like the reservation period ended just a few days ago, they kept saying res- like there are hotel spots available. Like if you want a reservation at Star Wars Land, all you have to do is book a night at Disneyland Hotel. But reservations were still available at the hotels. So what does that tell you? That tells you people were not clamoring to get these reservations. They had enough open Star Wars land reservations that they they reached out to me. I didn't reach out to them. They reached out to me and said, hey, you can add up to five people to your free reservation. And I think that says a lot. Yeah, so I feel like it's this delicate line they're trying to walk because they want it to capacity, but they don't want it way too they much. don't want the neg- right. the negative publicity right. of like Star Wars Land is so crowded and awful. I'm never going back to Disney. They obviously don't want that. Right. But the reservation system in Star Wars Land was lifted just a couple of days ago. 
And from all the reports I'm hearing, it's still not crazy busy. So they implemented a boarding pass system, which again, I think is brilliant. So once you get into the park, you have to go into the Disneyland app and then you request a boarding pass and they'll tell you, all right, you can come to Star Wars Land you know, at this time, or we'll let you know when you can, like when it's, when people start to leave the land, your phone will bang and then you will be able to go to the land. So I'm like, that's brilliant. It's brilliant. But from what I'm hearing, it's been so low that like yesterday by late morning, they weren't even implementing the boarding pass system because the land was not at capacity. Wow. Like it's shocking to me. So they had all these like blocks on annual pass holders, like, you know, California residents or, um, cast members who had annual passes and they lifted a whole bunch of these blackout dates over the summer because they were anticipating all of these like overcrowded and stampede kind of situations and that's just not what's happening so i i honestly don't know what to expect for disney world because my initial thought was they're going to to just copy this blueprint of of a boarding pass i don't know that they excuse me I don't know that they could do a reservation system because Disneyland only has three hotels. Right. And Disney World has over 20. So it would be a lot harder to do a reservation system the same way. But the boarding pass system is a great idea. But if they're looking at it and are like, crowds are so low that the boarding pass hasn't been as necessary, I, I don't know. I don't know. I it's a different beast entirely, Disney World versus Disneyland, as we both it, know, having been to both. Is. So I don't know how it will affect. So right now, we have uh, extra, extra magic hours for yes. Disney Resort guests only from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. up through. So it opens August 29th, and this then the extra, extra magic hours, like, could they not come up with a different name, <laughs> um, through November 2nd. So I'm sure that is one way that they're hoping to mitigate crowds right. where it's for those first three hours. It will be much less crowded. Uh, you, know, you know what I think is is the goldmine with the extra, extra magic hours is not the people trying to go to Star Wars, but the parks open up, three of the parks open up at 6 a.m. Go to Magic Kingdom. Go to Animal Kingdom. Yeah. If you're a morning person, that like nobody's going to be there at 6 a.m. No. Like, are you going to get up at 6 a.m. to go to Animal Kingdom? No, of course not. So, like, it, you know, if you're a morning person, this is the time to set your alarm and go and really hit, like, every ride before people get there. Because I don't think people are going to take advantage of the 6 a.m. opening at the other parks. That is my prediction with that. Star Wars Land, maybe, but I don't – I if I had to guess, like, just the regular um, extra magic hours in the morning – are always way lighter. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm seeing that um, it's six to nine at Hollywood Studios, but it's seven a.m. to eight a.m. It's, it's like the following days. Yeah, August 29th through the November second. Um, the extra extra magic hours are seven. It's opening an hour early at Animal Kingdom and Magic Kingdom. So seven a.m. to eight a.m. It will be open, and then I'm assuming those parks' regular opening will be set to eight for everyone else. Mm-hmm. So you get three extra hours at Hollywood Studios and one extra extra hour. Yes, at yes, the other yes. You're right. I misspoke. Park. It's not it's okay. the same at seven a.m. But but yeah. But still, yeah, like, I agree. That's very seven early. Very early. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I just don't think people are going no, to be taking not. advantage of that. Well, people so like to sleep I, in on vacation. They're not going to. Yeah, yeah. Except for me, because I'm crazy. But no, me, me, me too. I I got to oh, 
right after Toy Story Land opened, um, I believe the park was opening at 7 for extra magic hours. And I got there at 6.40 and it was a ghost land. No one was there. I just walked right back in. Yeah. Toy Story Land. I yeah. went on Slinky Dog Dash twice. So, uh, and that was, you know, a pretty popular opening. So, yeah, right, I agree. Right. If you are willing to get up early. You will have your pick. <laughs> yes. Yep. If you're going to get to start, if you're going to get to Hollywood Studios at 5:30 a.m. to queue up to get in there, you're probably not going to have a lot of competition. It's just not not people don't want to do that. So, what alas, what are some of your thoughts about how Galaxy's Edge is going to affect a Disney World vacation overall? Even if you don't go to Galaxy's Edge, or maybe you do, but how will it impact your Disney World vacation? Do you think? I, you know, it's. It's hard to say because Disneyland versus Disney, like Disney World really attracts a much more global audience, I think, than Disneyland. So, you know, initially I'm like, oh, I'm just, I'm really going to look at Disneyland and I think that will be an indicator. But now, like, I just, I don't think crowds will be as low at Disney World as they're at Disneyland. Now, that being said... I don't know that I personally think that the crowds at Star Wars are going to affect the other parks as much as people think they will. Yeah, I'm, I don't know either. I have said just uh, blatantly, I have no clue. Like if you go to Epcot <laughs> the first week in September, right after it yeah. opens, what it will feel like compared to a more standard September, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think we will see like a rise in crowds. Um, and I believe, if if I'm not mistaken, I think some of the promotions, like free dining and stuff, just happened to fall over the opening, yeah, which is also kind of crazy. Like, that also surprised me. So there's just been so many surprises this year. I agree. But I think, I think there will be an increase in crowds. That's my prediction. But I don't think it's going to be as bad as people think. I agree with the, you completely. Yeah, when, like, when the news first you know, came to us that this land was opening earlier than everybody expected. Cause I was like, Oh, it'll probably be like October, November was my prediction for when the land opened. And when they said August, I had so many people reaching out to me being like, I booked my trip in late <laughs> August, September, yeah. thinking I was going to miss all these crowds. And it was, and now my vacation's going to be ruined. And the thing I keep telling you, I'm like, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't just, I wouldn't count on that. Like, I think you're going to be okay. Really, I think the the biggest complaint is the change in fast pass tiers yes. for Hollywood Studios. Yeah. So one thing we know for sure is that fast passes will be very difficult to get mm-hmm. at Hollywood Studios because they just lumped five attractions now into tier one. So tier one fast passes will be hard to get I feel like yeah um, so yeah. like if you don't want to go to to Galaxy's Edge but you're taking your family in September um, and you want to do Slinky Dog Dash like I would say you know at 7 7 a.m. is when the fast pass window opens right 60 mm-hmm. days in advance if you're staying on property you better be on there yeah <laughs> and ready yeah. to book a fast pass for Slinky Dog Dash at the end of your trip <laughs> Right. Yeah. Well, I think this is just their way of trying to even yeah. out crowds. It Definitely. like not only does it force people to do other attractions or, you know, in the case of Hollywood Studios shows that maybe you wouldn't normally do, which obviously will space people out in the parks. It's mm-hmm. also going to force people to the other parks because they're like, well, if I can't get Slinky Dog Dash, then I'm just going to go over to, you know, Animal Kingdom and do whatever right over there instead. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just a way of trying to even out crowds. So I know like we all like to complain, but I always try and look at it like, well, let's think, why are they doing yeah. this? Yeah. Like there's, there is a reason. It's to and... manage your vacation experience yes. so that you're not suffering when you're there. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. So like, hopefully, hopefully, 
what they're doing will help spread the crowds out a little bit so we don't all feel like we're like, you know, shoulder to shoulder with people in 90 degree heat because that's the worst thing ever. So yeah, definitely. So I would say overall, like if you're going this fall and you want to know what to expect, we'd say this, book your fast passes early as possible, right? Mm -hmm. Get to the parks as early as possible. Right. Yes. And take advantage of this extra, extra magic hours. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And that you'll be fine. I yeah. Think be yes. Fine. I think even as long as you just have like, even if it's a simple plan, I always tell people like you don't have to plan every minute. Right. Like even if it's just a basic plan, you're going to be ahead of like 90% of the other people who are there. So just go in with like a basic outline of things you want to accomplish and I think you'll be okay. Yes, yes. And if you have a chance, go see Galaxy's Edge, even if it's just to walk through and soak up the atmosphere and see the characters and what have it's you. It's so cool. Oh, yeah. So, so cool. I would do it just to see that. So if you can get yeah. in there, do it. Yes. And I'll share some photos with you, too, if you want to. Yeah to share photos with your audience because it's it, – and I think my photos are fantastic. My husband's a great photographer, but the photos, as great as they are, just don't do it justice. Uh -huh. Like you just – you have to see it. It's it's visually very amazing. It's stunning. I'm excited. Thank you so much for sharing your experience there, Julie. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great. I'll talk about Galaxy's Edge anytime. <laughs> And if you made it to the end, thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can find me on Facebook in the Budget Mouse Facebook group. Just search for the Budget Mouse, ask to join, and I will add you. You can find me on Instagram as the Budget Mouse. I'm on both of my websites, thefrugalsouth.com and thebudgetmouse.com. And please, if you haven't already, follow me on Pinterest at the Budget Mouse. So thanks again for listening, everyone, and have a magical day.